Yeah, I get to push us forward a little bit in the book of Romans. Um, I'm going to start out by praying. Then I will rehash what we've already learned before in like five minutes. Not really. Um, and uh, then we're going to talk about a few verses. And then we're going to pray. And then just fellowship and love each other for the rest of the week. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for what you did for us. And Father, we are so grateful we can come boldly into your presence by the blood of Christ and not by our own righteous works. We ask that you would bless this time, Lord God. There's so much that you can show us in these words. We pray that you would open our eyes to just how magnificent, Lord, what you have done is and give us a, a deep appreciation and love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Romans chapter 8. And I got to tell you that uh, Romans is my favorite book. You know, have you ever read a book or a section of scripture and says, that's a good one, like all the rest is not as good? <laughs> and then caught yourself and say, wait a minute. <laughs> but you can have favorites, and I do have a favorite. A book of Romans is my, my favorite. And it's, I look at it like it's just this one long I don't want to call it an argument, but one long explanation of what it is to be a Christian. And I feel like you can get in a canoe. I, I, this is my mental picture. I just get into my canoe and I just float down through Romans. And, and I, I just love seeing that thread. If you've never done this, it's the way to go. Instead of like taking a scripture here and a scripture there, in the book of Romans, it's great to just kind of get the flow and there's parts of it that people have like been scratching their head over for millennia. So it's not like you'll read it and, oh yeah, I get it all. But still, you can see how it's just all connected. And um, it's really cool because Paul wrote it to this church. He wanted to make sure that they knew what was going on. They were Christians. And he wanted to make sure they understood the gospel. So I, I have a few observations. If you don't have my notes, my notes are probably back there. Uh, should be, and they're online. Uh, and I, I write them in such a way that you could probably just, uh, just leave now and, and just read them. Uh, but don't do that. Uh, but here's some observations uh, up till now. Romans is a great place to learn what happened to you when you became a Christian. So if you're a Christian in here, I know, you know, in church services like that, uh, like this, we have people that aren't Christians or aren't Christians yet. But um, if you are a Christian, Romans is a great way to understand what's happened to you. It wasn't like technically written for non-Christians in order to become Christians. That's more like what the Gospels are. But it's... Uh, <laughs> It's for Christians to understand what in the world has happened. Uh, we're already halfway through the book. Notice this. We're in, we're in Romans 8 out of 16 chapters, and uh, Paul really hasn't told us how to behave. He hasn't really told us what we need to do to be good. 
and to act good, to behave like Christians. He hasn't told us how to behave, but he's told us how to behave, meaning not what we're supposed to do, but how in the world do we do it? That's what we've been learning about, is, is what God has done in us that allows us to do the good things that we're called to do. Um, we learned previously, in our previous episodes, uh, we learned that uh, righteousness is like the key to this whole thing. Righteousness is the key. Uh, and people had tried to become righteous by following God's law in their own, with their own abilities, but you, God's law just let them know, hey, you need help. That's what God's law does for us. It lets us know we need help. Uh, because in our own abilities, we just can't do it. But by believing in Jesus, we are given righteousness as a gift. And that's just completely different. It's not something we earn, but it's something that's been given to us as a gift. So, um, what is righteousness? Here's my simple definition, as best as I can understand it. It is a condition of being right with God. If God says you're okay, you're okay. You know, that's different from I'm okay, you're okay, where we just have this social contract. I'm okay, are you okay? You're okay. You know, it's not like that. Without the Lord in our lives, we are not okay. We are not okay. But when God says, I'm okay, I'm okay. And that means I can approach him. A lot of what the worship was this morning and the uh, verse from Hebrews has to do with us uh, being able to approach God. And that is something that we couldn't do apart from Christ. But because we are righteous, it says in uh, Romans 5, that we stand in this, this place of grace. That's, that's a paraphrase, but you know, we are standing in grace. Christians stand in a state of favor with God, which is awesome. Okay. Now, we, another thing, oh, God doesn't just declare us innocent of all, all the charges he may have against us because of our behavior. He fully accepts us. So it's different from a judge saying, uh, you know, not guilty. It's way beyond that. It's the judge saying, not guilty, and besides that, you get to come and live at my house. <laughs> you know, that's not what most judges would ever do. Uh, we've already seen some verses that talk about sin's influence over us because of the weakness of our flesh. And also, sometimes it talks about the body, and also it talks sometimes about our bodily members. Now, this is something that's a little tricky because there are religions that teach that the physical world is evil and the way out is to get in some type of spiritual plane. But that's not Christianity. Christianity 
tells us that the physical creation is fallen. It was created by God. It is good. But because of sin, it is fallen. Not only creation, but we in our physical mortal selves, we're in a fallen state apart from Christ. When we became Christians, our body is still kind of in this fallen state. We, believers, have uh, a right relationship with God, but I'm telling you, when I go for the ice cream in my icebox, people call them iceboxes anymore, and uh, my wife's not around, and so I start like just eating right out of the ice cream container, and I, what I normally do is, is I'll take the spoon, I'll eat it, then I'll take my hand and pop it in my mouth so the spoon stays clean, but that would horrify her if she saw it anyway. But it's like, you know what a serving size of ice cream is. It's this little tiny thing, little tiny thing. That's right. But, you know, I just keep going. And why, do, why does that happen? It has to do, believe it or not, not to make a big deal out of eating too much ice cream, with the fallen nature of our bodies. Because my, my body has gone, mmm, this feels so good. You know, and I'm eating it and eating it. And then when I've eaten like two-thirds of the whole container, <laughs> yep, I, it's making me hungry just to think about it. Okay, I've eaten so much, and then I, I feel terrible because, you know, it's over, I put it back, and instead of having this sense of contentment, I have this sense of, why in the world did I do that? So uh, that's, that's what I experienced. We're, we're going to talk about some of that in, in, uh, later on. But the temptations we counter... Okay, I think it's important to understand that our physical body is not bad. Some religions do teach this, but that's not Christianity. But it is part of the fallen creation. The temptations we encounter in this life do have to do with our physicality. I see something and desire it. I hunger for something and desire it. You know, these, these desires, whether or not they're good or bad, kind of come at me through this. I can't dissociate me from this physical body. We're, you know, this is me. But uh, when we go along with these temptations, then we commit sins and then suffer consequences, which we already saw in the last couple of chapters. It's like you sin and you experience death of some sort. And I would say that we who are in the flesh, that expression that we see in the Bible, in the flesh, refers to all that we are apart from Christ. Everything we are apart from Christ is the flesh. Um, before I accepted Christ, that's all I was. I can think back to before I was a Christian, and uh, that's all I was. <laughs> you know, I have a Christ Christian perspective when I look back at my youth. 
which, you know, I mean, some of us were good kids, some of us were bad kids. But, uh, and I probably won't tell you one of my bad kids' stories, but I just have this vivid uh, memory of one of my old friends, who was not a Christian, calling me up. And we were reminiscing about old times. And he, the, the old times he, that stuck most in his memory about me was something I was really ashamed of. I couldn't believe that I did that. But for him, it was ha-ha. It was, a, it was funny. For me, it's like, what? And that's because I was in the flesh. I, now, I still walk around in my flesh, okay? I'm still joined to the hip, to my body, right? Uh, but now my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what the Bible says, that my body, that this, this, you know, whatever you might think of it, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's kind of mind-blowing. Um, and it also says, I carry this treasure, the treasure of Christ, the treasure of the Holy Spirit, in a jar of clay, in an earthen vessel, which is my body. Okay, so... That's just kind of picking up some thoughts that we bumped into along the way to where we're getting now. And we have already seen that God gives us his spirit as the answer to how we actually behave as Christians. As Christians now, we should have a choice. We should. I hate to get too much into the ice cream thing. But I think if I am led by the Spirit of God, I will come much closer to eating a little ball of ice cream that big, maybe even scooping it out and putting, putting it in a dish first. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the morality of the dish versus the, my method. But, uh, but it is likely that I was not led by the Spirit of God to um, pig out on ice cream. So that's just catching us up to where we are. If you thought this was interesting or want to look back on it, you can listen to some of Ben's messages or you can read uh, Romans up through Romans 8. And we're going to look at uh, 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Okay. So that's the whole thing. And we're going to go by these. We're going to pick this apart. But I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail real quick. The book of Romans is kind of long, right? It's not real long, honestly. 
but it's kind of love. What I think is really cool is Paul wrote another book that has a lot of the same ideas and the same terminology, but it's a lot smaller. Does anybody know what book that is? It's Galatians, the book of Galatians. He wrote the book of Galatians because he heard that there were Christians that were getting confused about how to stay right with God, how to, how to be righteous, how to stay righteous. They were getting off track. There were teachers teaching them the wrong stuff. So he wrote this hot letter to them telling them that's not the way. The gospel is this, not that. And the cool thing is, a lot of the ideas are the same things that we see in Romans, which makes sense because it's the same person that's being led of God to write it. And in Romans, he's taking those same ideas and he's expanding them out. So you can kind of see those ideas in the same words in the book of Galatians, which is really cool because you can say, I think I understand what Romans is saying. Let's see what he's saying about it in Galatians. And you can compare these two and be pretty sure that, you know, he's talking about the exact same thing in both books. So here's some things out of Galatians. And see if this doesn't sound a little bit familiar with what uh, Ben's been going over. Galatians 2.19. For through the law, I died to the law, so I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Galatians 5, 16 to 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So that's from Galatians. So I, I would suggest if you're reading in Romans, if you're following along, you might want to jump into Galatians and kind of look around to see if there's some corresponding verses. So we're going to look in the first verse of this section, the Romans 8, 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We don't owe the old me apart from Christ anything. Like the freed slave in Romans 6, we saw how Christ set us free from the old slave master of sin like the freed slave in Romans 6, and like the woman whose husband died in Romans 7, we now owe zero allegiance to who we are in the flesh, who we used to be. So when, uh, when my buddy calls me up, actually he's gone on, I hope to be with the Lord because I didn't keep touch, in touch with him. I, I don't know where he stood with the Lord, but if he, if he had, called, had called me up while he lived and was telling me these stories about what I did, you know what, in a way that was me, but that was me in the flesh. 
and that's not me now, and I don't owe that old flesh me anything. You know, I, I don't have to be that way. I don't owe it anything, okay? Uh, so we owe zero allegiance to the old master, the old hus husband. Now let me just get in here for a second because we're really into authenticity. It's even probably on our website as a church. We don't want to be phony. We don't want to be Pharisees. We don't want to be hypocrites. We don't want to act like one way and then really be another way. We're really not for that. We want to be authentic. But what you need to know is the authentic that you need to be is who you are in Christ. Because your flesh will lie to you. Your flesh will lie to you. Every adulterer, here's an example. Every adulterer who says, I really love this new person that is not my wife, is being authentic. They are being authentic. They're being authentic to who they used to be apart from Christ. They're being authentic to the flesh, not to the spirit, not to who they are in Christ. So there's aspects of my life. If you were to watch me this past week and videotape me, as the angels probably do, um, you know, there are times when I was not kind to my family. I'm sure. There was times where I was negligent from something I knew that I should do. There were times that I was doing that. But you know what? This is not an excuse. This is the truth. I was not being led by the Spirit to be, you know, ugly to my family. And I, I was not walking actively at that moment. Well, let me say, being led by the Spirit. I was being led by the flesh. You know, so the potential is there for us to mess up, but it's never who God is calling us to be in Christ. And that's why, and this is not in here, because it doesn't really talk about it in here, but for a Christian, that's why repentance is so great. Because when we mess up, it's a matter of, okay, Lord, I've really messed up. Have you ever done this? I've done this. Um, the living room is kind of my place to put myself in timeout. And uh, I've gone in and I've in the living room and I've I've prayed and I've said, Lord, I, I messed up. This is you know I don't want to be this way. I, I know that this is wrong. And you know, I believe that the Lord loves that. I believe that's what repentance is, and that we kind of get out of the flesh back into the spirit then we go back and you know apologize and do stuff like that so we want to be authentic but that doesn't mean that we have to I'm trying to think of it's like we don't want to deny our faults we want to grow past them we don't want to we, we don't have to be who we once were there's nothing that, you know, requires us to be who we once were. We, but, here's Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But by, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And what that says to me is that we just can't go with the flow of our feelings and desires if they are tempting us to sin. We just can't go with the flow. Sometimes we have to just stop and say, no, this is wrong. I'm not going to do this. We put them to death. Oh, they are real. And they are authentic, these feelings and desires. But they are not coming from who we are in Christ. We put them to death by being empowered by the Spirit to go another direction. I know there's, there's people that have really hard, hard things coming against them, tempting them to do something that's wrong. But that's the time to turn to the Lord. That's the time to resist in the Spirit with God's help to resist these things. They are authentically, they are coming at us. It's not like they're not real. It's just we are not supposed to, uh, to give in to those things. Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And in my notes, I say, what does this mean? Is this a true reality to you, being led by the Spirit of God? Do you have an experience of being guided by the Spirit of God? We're going to talk about this a little bit later. But just the way this is said, it is like an experiential type thing. It's not hypothetical. It's not just mental gymnastics. It's something we experience. Now, in Galatians, uh, oh, Romans 8.15, Romans 8.15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians has a parallel verse that says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those that, who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Okay. Our approach to God has been totally revolutionized. In who we were before Christ, we were enslaved and we had a fearful uh, existence towards life and God. But now we are adopted as sons and so we've received the Spirit of God who leads us reverently to get right up into God's face as close to the Father as our being in Christ brings us, and we call him Papa. Um, this, is, this is tough for me, i got to admit. I remember um, in my younger days, there would be usually a, a girl who would talk about, you know, calling God Daddy or her, her Papa, um, and that would bother me because uh, for one thing I came from a, a, a home where I think I called my father father uh, you know everything was kind of not super 
uh, warm and fuzzy. But the truth is, according to the verse, the idea of Abba, Father, Abba, that was the familiar name that, you know, a little, you can even tell by the sound of it, a little Aramaic kid is going to be calling his natural father Abba. You know, that's what we're called into. We've been adopted as sons. And we are in a relationship where we can call the father Abba. Not only that, but it says uh, in Ephesians 2.6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Have you ever heard those verse, that verse and wondered what in the world? Uh, in Colossians 3.1, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. It's like, how in the world are we in heavenly places? And the reason we're in heavenly places is by being in Christ, we have the same level of access that Christ has. We don't go past Christ, we don't go beyond Christ, but he has lifted us up spiritually that when you pray, when you close your eyes, not, not, you don't have to close your eyes, but when you close your eyes to pray, you are right, right there with the Father. Right there. It's like Christ has bridged the gap in such a way that the Father was beyond us where we, you know, we could talk about him, but he was far, far away. And Christ has bridged that. So when we pray like we did this morning, we are right in the presence of God. Every time, every time, you should never feel like you're praying to a God who's far away. Even if you feel like God is far away, that is not the truth. The truth is, because of Christ, we can enter in just like Hebrews. It was just like that verse that Michael read. We can get right in the presence of God. I was a little bit upset with you for, you know, stealing my sermon. I know. But that Hebrews verse is a great verse. I didn't put it in here, though. Um, Romans 5, 2, through him, that's Jesus, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We stand in God's grace. That's God's favor. Okay, uh, on to Romans 8.16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now this is really, I love this verse. This is really interesting. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Paul is writing this to Christians. But he's writing that in some way it, if that was not ex their experience, they could say, no, Paul, that's not our experience. We're not experiencing that at all. But he's pretty confident. He says, the Spirit itself bears witness with your spirit. What he's saying is like, you know that the Spirit of God is telling you you're God's kids, right? And I got to believe that this is something as Christians that we say based on our experience of God. 
it's in the scripture, but it's also something that is so real. Paul is saying this to the Romans. Let me give you an illustration. It's the only illustration I have in this whole sermon, maybe. Let's use riding a bike as an illustration. I could teach you about all about riding a bike without you ever having ridden one. I could have charts and I could talk about the mechanics of it and how you, I could tell you all about it. Not only that, you could learn what I've said and you could, uh, I could give you a test and you could score an A on the test. It's like, I really understand riding a bike. But that's a lot different from me pointing at you and say, you're riding a bike, aren't you? And you saying, Yes, I am. I am riding a bike. That's what this verse is saying. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's like, it's supposed to be self-validating, self-verifying. And the reason I'm saying this is I think it's possible for Christians not to be able to say, yes, that's my experience. I think some believers, for whatever reason, that is not their experience. And it should be. It should be. Um, I believe that Paul is expecting people receiving this letter to respond to the idea about the Spirit bearing witness to their spirits in the affirmative. Yes, Paul, that is my experience. Paul did a similar thing in the book of uh, Galatians. I love this in the book of Galatians. He said, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by, the hearing, with or by hearing with faith? So Paul's you know, asking him, did you receive the Spirit because of a bunch of works you did to earn it or as a gift when you believed in Jesus? And they didn't... He, he used that as something that he knew they would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I received the Spirit of God when I believed. When I believed in Jesus, God gave me a gift. I'm not, we're not talking about the, the mechanics of it right now. We're just talking about how, how people receive the Spirit. And um, he was sure that they would answer out of the witness of their own heart that they have received the Spirit of God based on faith. And so I'm really talking to people, if there's anybody in here that can't really say, oh yeah, my spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit that I am a child of God, we want to pray with you. I mean, you can go home and pray and ask God, and that's all good, and that's great. Uh, or you can go home, pray, and ask God, send us an email, but... And we'll pray for you. But when, what I see in the New Testament is, you know, people become believers. They get baptized. People lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. And so I know that at the very least, it's very biblical for uh, church leaders to pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. But I'm just saying that you should have a witness in yourself that you are God's child. And if you don't, Wes 
Wes gets you there by the grace of God. And when I say let's, let us get you there, I mean, let, you know, that is so critical because that's like the foundation. The foundation is, you know, we are supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. And if you don't, like Paul found some uh, disciples, and they were disciples of John the Baptist, but they knew about Jesus. And he said, Had, have you received the Spirit since you believed? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Spirit. I think that they're probably Christians like that. And I think that uh, it is really important, enough for me to belabor the point, that we want everybody to be in a position where they can say, oh, yes, I know that I have the Spirit of God, and yes, I can be led by the Spirit of God. I'm endeavoring to follow the Spirit of God. Because that's the only way that Jesus has given us to live. The Bible is really important in this whole process. I mean, that's how I learned about these things. That's what I look to to confirm whether I'm saying something true or something that's not true. But we are also supposed to be following the Spirit of God, be led by the Spirit of God. That is the only way that we don't fulfill, you know, that we avoid the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Okay, moving on. Uh, God, uh, Romans eight seventeen, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Heirs here doesn't mean that God is going to die and leave us an inheritance. I think it's more like when a child becomes an adult and receives all of the adult privileges that parents can bestow. And I believe in the context of this verse, it's talking about uh, when the Lord comes again, that our, you know, our relationship with him, that we will come into our inheritance at the last day. But it also talks about suffering, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now this is kind of a different subject. I was talking about the importance of people knowing that the Spirit of God lives within them. But on the other hand, Right here, right in all these glorious verses, it talks about suffering. And some people might wonder about that. And other people, you know, outside of Christianity, point at Christians kind of as being living in a fairy tale. They're not living in reality. But the truth is, suffering is not something that's catching anybody by surprise. And when the gospel was originally presented, the idea of suffering was there. But it's not wasted because when we're glorified with him, we'll see that the, our sufferings, in fact, it's the next verse, which I don't have, 3.18, Romans 3.18, talks about how the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be even compared at all with the glory of being with the Lord forever. Suffering is never enjoyable 
But if we are faithful to follow Christ, even through periods of suffering in this life, we will be glorified with him in a way that is beyond our ability to comprehend. So, to conclude, if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, now is the time. Like, today is the day. And we will certainly pray for you to receive the Lord. Jesus did die to pay the penalty for your sins and make you right with God, but you must receive him. If you are Christian, I would suppose that most of us here are Christians, but don't know that you've received the Holy Spirit. If you just, it's like this, you know, where you feel like your whole, your whole walk with the Lord is, is kind of in your head trying to figure out how to do right and wrong, and you have no experience of the intimacy that, uh, that it's talking about here, please have us pray for you. Um, it, it'd probably be good for, for one of the elders, actually, or, or for Michael or, you know, one of the leaders to pray with you just, just because it's Bible. But, uh, and, if, and if that concerns you, if, if you think, well, you know, I'm not really having that experience, but I don't know if I want to get prayed for, um, just take it to the Lord in prayer, you know. Uh, just, just pray and ask the Lord. Uh, there, there are dark times that Christians go through, all Christians go through dark times, uh, kind of times of testing where you might not feel the presence of God, uh, but there was a guy that once said, uh, talked about knowing that God was with him, knowing with his knower is what he said. I know with my knower that God is with me. And I think what he was talking about is he knew in his experience at the deepest part of himself, just like it says where the spirit bears witness with our spirit, he knew in his deepest he knew that God was with him even though God didn't seem to be answering his prayers so uh, let me encourage you that, that that's an experience that God wants you to have uh, for your whole Christian walk okay let's just pray and then we'll have another song and, and then again if you want prayer for anything please there'll be some people hanging around up here Father, we thank you so much. Thank you so much that we can boldly, boldly, boldly enter into your presence. Lord, even as frail and as weak, and even if we had arguments in the car coming here, even if, if we've got some big heavy thing that we're carrying, Lord God, we just come boldly by the blood of Christ into your presence, Lord God. We just delight ourselves in you and our salvation. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would fill us all with your spirit. Lord, that we could be led by your spirit. We don't want to live in the old ways, Lord God, that uh, tripped us up. But we want to live 
in our new identity in Christ, who you've called us to be, Lord God. We thank you that that's, that's, a, true, that's a true thing that we can aspire to and walk in and mature in. And we just ask for your blessing on everyone here and we ask blessings on Pastor Ben and Heather in Jesus' name. Amen.